opportunities, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 1, Episode 21, the season finale, Within the Serpent's Grasp. And with us, she's back like we said she would be, it's Brianna! Yay! Yay! Oh, I cheered for myself again. (laughs) It's okay, sometimes you have to. Yes, and And we're glad you're feeling better. And are, oh. and are back with us this week. We missed yes. you last week. Yes, I missed you guys last week, too. It was horrible. I would much rather have been here with you than what I was doing, believe me. <laughs> yes. And fortunately, sometimes you got to take care of you first, so. Right, right, right. And sometimes you just got to puke, you know? It's just yeah. A, it just, yeah. It happens to all of us at some time or another, so. Right. My microphone just fell. Okay. <gasps> Uh, all right, so we've made it, folks. The season finale of season one. We're here. We've done it. Kind of wasn't sure we would, but I did it. We did it. We're Yay. here. Yay. I tell you what, it's so good to be watching these through a streaming platform where you don't have to deal with all the to be continued. Oh, yeah. Which is oh, like, yes. <laughs> which they're okay. That's kind of funny you say that because I wasn't sure if I should share this like fun fact that I sort of read while I was like digging into like trivia for this episode or stuff. But apparently in, let me make sure I get the country right, in Sweden, after the first episode finished airing, it would take another five and a half years for season two to air because like... It initially aired on one channel and the ratings were like, okay, but not super great. So they weren't sure if anybody was, if it was worth investing in season two and stuff to air. And then it moved to like another channel and another channel. And then it finally sort of found its home on sort of what became Sweden's like sci-fi fantasy kind of channel that ended up airing a lot of sci-fi like shows, but not until five and a half years later. But after then they like, ran them all through and basically like the season 10 finale aired in Sweden only like a few months after it aired in the U S wow. Can you imagine (laughs) waiting five and a half years for to be continued ever (laughs) really? You know what? I will tell you right now that the big fans did not wait five and a half years. No, no, they didn't. They, they found it out in internet land and DVDs and wherever they could, but... Oh, yeah. 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 If you were someone that waited that long, you would have been like, this show is still on? (laughs) Oh, it's on a lot. There's ten (laughs) seasons of it. Guess what? Right, right. Or like me, you know, I watched Channel One, or Channel One, I watched Season One all the way through on Showtime, and then we canceled Showtime. Oh! To, uh save money so i didn't see it again a friend of mine um at uh at the beginning of season seven mentioned that daniel was back and i was like where'd he go and the same friend said oh he died and i was like again (laughs) and i had only watched season one so (laughs) By this point, he's died like three times already. So yeah, uh, yeah. So I was like again, and then found out it was on Sci-Fi Channel, and we started 
back into season seven without having watched everything in between. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then uh, started um, obtaining for visual entertainment purposes in particularly sketchy ways. Um, all the rest. Yes. <laughs> for personal use only, of course. Of course. Yes. Of course. We would never. Uh, yes. Did not make music videos out of those AVIs at all. No nope. I don't know what you mean. Such a thing. Nope. Not 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 the woman who made probably the most popular Stargate video of all time, but nope. Not us. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Anyway. Anyway. So here we are to Within the Serpent's Grasp. It originally aired on March 6th, 1998. We have the story by James Crocker and the teleplay by Jonathan Glasner. And it was directed by David Worry Smith. In this episode, SG-1 learns that Daniel's alternate reality vision is true when they gate onto Apophis' attack ship headed for Earth. What? I know. Shocking. So this episode, we open in General Hammond's office as he's shredding a bunch of documents because apparently shutting down a facility takes a lot of paperwork and whatever the opposite of paperwork is because he's shredding stuff. So I say that's like the opposite of paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, when Jack comes in and again tries to convince Hammond that shutting down the SGC is a very bad idea. And he's like, I know, but... Orders are orders. And Jack's like, you're just going to, like, let it all go? And we also learn here that Hammond was apparently a month away from retiring before everything happened, like, at the beginning of the season. And Hammond tells Jack that he went back to Kinsey twice, and the second time was, like, forcibly removed from Kinsey's office and, like, went up to, like up the chain of command as far as he could to like the president himself, but the president was, nope, can't do it. It's a no. The SGC is getting shut down. Period. End of story. Even with bake sales, even with car washes, even. (laughs) Nothing, nothing can save the SGC at this point. Very sadly. And unfortunately. Bah. What do you do with all the stuff that's in there? He, you can probably oh, yeah. get relocated to other military installations. Like, the, you know, the armory stuff can go to another base somewhere. Everybody always needs Xerox machines. The gate yeah. itself could go to Nellis with the other one. Oh, um, it's in one location. Oof. Yeah. I need to stop hitting my microphone. Um, stop. Or... Or would they have would they have gone back to the nothing anywhere bear base with a couple soldiers assigned to guard the gate every day? I don't know. I mean, Hammond did say something like the gate will be buried literally and figuratively. So were they going to like actually bury it, bury it in the ground, bury it or bury it in the sense of just enclosing it in a in a box and shoving it into the back of area 51 with the ark of the covenant and stuff well i feel like if the iris is closed permanently they won't have to actually bury it 
Right. Yeah. And it wouldn't make any sense to bury this one, but keep the other one. True. True. Yeah. Well, were they going to bury then that one too? Because that's, even though it's not in the SGC, it would be part of the SGC operations. Oh, that's true. And why do they need to study it anymore if they're not going to use it? Yeah. So I'd imagine they take that one and do with it whatever they're doing with the main gate. I don't know. True. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, after that, so we cut to the gate room and we see the gate covered in the giant tarp, sort of like it was back at the very beginning of Children of the Gods. And Jack comes into the control room where the the rest of SG-1 are waiting and Jack just gives them the bad, the bad news. It's not, not happening. It's not going to happen. And Tilk again says that he needs to get through the gate ASAP. And Daniel's like, well, I guess we should all go then, right? And Sam's like, wait, what? Wait, where do you want to go? Daniel's like, uh, to the address that I got in that alternate reality. And Tilk seems to be on Daniel's side that like, sure, they don't know for sure that what happened there will happen here. But the only way to find that out is to go through the gate to the address and find out, right? The only option we have at this point and we also learned that the address that Daniel got is apparently not on the Abydos cartouche, which that's always interesting when that happens. Mm-hmm. So the Gould wouldn't be expecting them to go there for any reason, because as far as they know, we don't know that this address even exists. And so a medical attack could be successful. Surgical attack, Tilk. Surgical attack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no with the humor, Chris. No with the humor. Always, always with the humor. I, I always feel like Tilk does that on purpose to like break the tension. (laughs) Like he knows what it is, but just goes slightly to the left. So somebody can like make a joke out of it. And like, like he secretly has the best sense of humor out of all of them. Yeah. Right. Totally (laughs) does. He totally does. Um, And so, but yeah, to answer Daniel's early question, Jack would feel pretty dumb if they didn't go and the attack did actually happen and they could have stopped it. So they're going to go. They're going to defy a direct order and they're going to go. And Jack can't order Sam to go. But she's like, I, she's going to go. Obviously, she's not going to say no to this. If they're all going, she's going to go. So here we go. And we cut to sometime later as she won is in the control room, all in black, getting ready to go. Basically, oh, total stealth mode. Like, locking down all the doors that they can in the facility that get to the gate room so they can't be stopped from doing what they're about to do. I just say, good news, they do send them out through first, which is always a good decision. Yep. Uh, So they send them out through, and but when they get there, the location is completely dark when it first arrives. However, question, shouldn't there be light from the wormhole illuminating the area where the map is because the gate makes light so one one would think yes one would think yeah but the, you know it's more fun to like let's turn on the infrared cameras so they turn on the infrared cameras and we see what looks like sort of typical gould architecture and gen- decoration in the room wherever the gate is then sg1 gets alerted through the automatic systems in the base that hammond and the soldiers that are left on the base have made it through the sort of lockdown that they've made. So off they go 
through the gate and it's like the closing shot from the opening credits, which I always love being able to identify, hey, that was in the opening credits. So Yep, up they run. One, two, two, three, four. And I always find it interesting that everybody goes straight through, but then Christopher Judge's tilk like goes through, but then turns to the left because he knows like Richard Dean Anderson is standing like right there. So he can't just go right there. He has to go off to the side. So he doesn't like just run into Rick who's standing like two feet behind the, you know, imaginary (laughs) event horizon in like real life. Right. Yeah. Because the actors could only go so far because the ramp only goes so far past the event horizon. Yeah. That's funny. I never thought of I never thought of that before. Yeah. Yeah, he does go kind of slightly cockeyed. Yeah. So they all run through the gate just as like Hammond and everybody comes into the gate room and like Hammond is pissed. He is not happy. And we cut to the opening credits. You know he expected that though. I I'm sure he did. Yeah, I I, I never could really tell if the look on his face was anger. Or, um, oh, what would the word be? Whatever the word would be for, I expected that. Um, Like when you tell your kid not to eat all the peanut butter, but then they do. And you look at them with that look. You're you're just resigned to the fact that. Yes, resignation. Yeah, resignation. That's it. Yeah, Yeah, they actually did it. They actually did the thing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay, so before we get into next scene, I wanted to ask a question. So, like, sort of over as the next scene starts, we sort of get all, like, the guest star credits and stuff. Does seeing, like, the guest star names in the opening credits spoil things for you? Like, the fact that we have, like, Peter Williams and Alexis Cruz in the opening credits, does that sort of spoil, quote-unquote, things for you as far as what and who to expect in the episode, because we know if they're there, then, you know, certain things are probably going to happen. Probably when I watched the show originally, yes. But in this day and age, what spoils it is the the, the thumbnail picture of the episode. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, it's one of these. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wouldn't it wouldn't have spoiled it for me. Um, because uh, they're gating to Apophis's home world, as far as they know, the you know where the attack is coming from. So Apophis being there, not a big deal to me. Chlorel being there, you know, well, even though we didn't know Chlorel's name at the time, you know, yeah. but he was taken to be Apophis's son. We knew that. Uh, so that's a possibility. Although he didn't leave Chulak with Apophis. Yeah, I was going to I was going to bring that up later. So, yeah, on Chulak, he's chosen by another Gould couple mm-hmm. and goes off with them, but we see him here as the son of Apophis. Oh. So, there there's apparently a common theory that when this sort of thing happens, when, you know, new hosts are chosen specifically to be the child of a god, like Apophis. Mm-hmm. Like Apophis doesn't actually quote unquote raise that child because obviously he has more important things to do. There's these this sort of like foster parents, if you will, who do the job of like raising the ghoul, quote unquote, like teaching them the things they would need to know. So there's this theory that those people that chose Skara were 
themselves selected by Apophis to be the foster parents of Apophis's child. How much teaching would he really need? Isn't it a thing that you're that all the ghouls are born with all of their knowledge? The genetic memory. Yeah. There yeah, I mean there's the genetic memory, but that's really just sort of facts. There, yeah, and, but I mean look at the I one that know. was in look at the, the ghoul that was in Charlie, right? It was, it was, it was immature. It was too young to be implanted. It didn't really know what it was doing. And it did come off like a child. Yeah. Um, You know, impulse decisions and like not thinking things through. I want to do this. So I'm going to do this. Yeah. So I think, I think the genetic knowledge is really just sort of factual knowledge, but there's also, learning how to behave and how to understand and process the facts that you have and you know and how how to to control the host that's a big yes yeah Mm. that's a thing too so what do you guys think now i'm picturing gold lessons (laughs) right (laughs) sat down at a chalkboard with a notebook (laughs) how to be a god 101 Oh, that's going in the notes for this episode. How to be a God 101. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> anyway, the one that the 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 name that would have spoiled me would have been, and please forgive me because I'm terrible and I've met him a dozen times. The actor who plays Braytac. Tony Amendola. Tony Amendola. He's not in this episode though. Oh, that's true. Wrong episode. Yes, wrong episode. But- <laughs> Spoiler. Spoilers Spoiler for the next episode. His name would have been the only one that would have spoiled me. Although at the time, I would not have thought to look their names up on the internet because there was no IMDb. There was really yeah. no place to look. Yeah, that's true. So I didn't know them. I didn't know who any of them were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I knew Alexis Cruz because I knew him from the movie. Right. Okay. Um. I don't think I had figured out yet that Peter Williams played Apophis. Mm. So, okay. yeah, no. Okay. Okay, so when we come back from the opening credits, we're on the other side of the gate, and Jack orders Daniel to send the MALP back to the SGC, like, immediately. And as he does this, Tilk starts opening up, like, the crates that we have around the gate and starts explaining the weapons that are inside and here we get our first look at the zat nicotel which is one of the greatest weapons ever i think oh like yeah all of, in like all of sci-fi not just stargate but like all of sci-fi this is just yes. like a great weapon it is which the only thing that annoys me is jack's like yeah i'm not gonna say that zat nicotel we're gonna call it a zat gun like really jack mm. i mean like i get it but at the same time like really can't call it a zat nicotel i thought they would have shortened it to zat nick yeah, like something like that. Zat gun. Just, yeah. yeah. It's very Jack, though. It is very Jack. Yeah. Uh, and we we learn from Tilk that the Zat gun uses a different form of energy than the standard staff weapon, but can still be deadly. So, question. Do all Gould weapons use Naquita as their, like, power source? Or, like, is there, do, or, do you, or do you think there's, like, other things that are used to build their weapons and technology. I don't know. I I used to get hung up trying to differentiate because they 
establish and beat us over the head over and over and over with the fact that the Gould did not actually invent anything they use. They stole all of their technology from the ancients. Right. But Mm -hmm. I don't see the ancients creating staff weapons and zat guns and death gliders and... And so they would have to, everything would have to be Naquita based if it's all from acquired knowledge and technology, right? They would all have to be powered the same way. Right. See, I always took that as sort of like the ancients did this thing with it, but what if we did that? Like maybe the ancients had some sort of medical thing that was sort of like anesthesia, you know, so they could heal the sick and operate and do whatever that was, you know, maybe sort of like the hand weapon or something. But the ghoul, because their evil went and twisted, is like, oh, you can, like, paralyze people? Okay, what if we made it so it, you know, we put it in, like, a gun type of thing. Then you fired it at somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah. Not, not that the ancients made weapons but that the ghoul sort of perverted the ancient technology to be evil because they are evil okay i can see that i think it could totally go either way because you know we see the ancients kind of at the end of their run but you know they've been around forever so there could have been an era of them when they did make weapons and were at war with each other and all that fun stuff that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And I think that almost would have had to have happened because they are so annoyingly Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good way to put it. Yes. Um and and they're they're yeah. so dedicated to the nonviolence and the the um non-involvement. Yeah. I think um, yeah, I think the only way you get there is to go through something very very violent right mm-hmm. yeah yeah where they like you know uh, uh it, like colonna was headed yeah. you know with the with the constant battles between the two halves of the planet and it's eventually going to rip the planet in half yeah yeah so we also learn how the zat gun works and tilka explains that one shot will stun a target and a second shot will kill the target so keep that in mind very important information for later. Yes. We then hear this sort of high-pitched, like, kind of whining noise, like an engine starting up. And then there's this weird shift. And all of SG-1, except for Tilk, get knocked to the ground. <laughs> Daniel goes flying. Daniel goes flying. Down the stairs. Like, down the stairs, because he was up on the stairs, you know, sending the mouth back. So he flies down the stairs. Jack and Sam just like tumped to the ground and Tilk just kind of rocks back and forward. But he's totally fine. And okay, that was weird. What was that? And Sam says it felt like some kind of planetary shift, which how how would she know what that feels like? That seems like a very specific thing to. Yeah, that seems like I was like, that seems quite a leap rather than just going to, oh, my God, we're on something that's moving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like planetary <laughs> shit. Like, how do you even know what that should feel like? Because it's as far as, at this point, it's a purely theoretical kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But 
Right, they've never been on a planet that's shifted. Exactly. So she shouldn't know what that feels like. But Tilk says that they need to immediately dial home, and Jack agrees. So Dano goes back to the DHD, dials home, and nothing happens. And he tries again, and nothing happens. Somehow they can't dial Earth. Like, it's just, it's not working. Then suddenly uh, the lights come on and the doors open. So SG-1 scatter and hide as a bunch of serpent guards come into the room. Luckily, they don't see SG-1 or Daniel's infrared goggles that are still laying on the ground because they Jack fell Jack the worst hiding place ever. They really do not hide well. Just they like don't. The serpent guard are very, Dumb. like, they're, gah, they're so... I just, I, I mean, the big, the big helmets must just restrict their vision so much that they just can't see anything. Like they're dumb, which yeah. makes it really strategic in battle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's no way the DHD is so freaking skinny. There's no way they see Jack. Yeah. The, the, the duck down behind it. Yeah, but remember, Jack's dressed in black. That's right. He's in stealth mode. He's totally in stealth mode. Yeah. The DHD is bronze and the rest of the room is gold. But he's black, so he's a shadow. So it's totally fine. Oh. <laughs> and they would have seen Daniel when they turned around and went the other way with where they, he was. Yeah, but, they should have. Yeah. Uh, but so the Serpent's Guard come in and they take this large metallic sphere out of a box that like kind of hovers and moves through the room and they position it like inside the gate, like within the ring of where like the wormhole would connect. And there's some kind of like force field thing that like activates to like keep it in place there. And it's actually, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Really? Like whatever this thing is, like the effects that the, like the effects team have done on it is like, is really cool. I like it. It's kind of neat looking. It works for me. Yeah. Uh, So once it's set up, they just leave and don't see SG-1 anywhere in the room. Uh, And they finally come out of hiding and Daniel asks Tilk what the thing is. And Tilk explains that it's like TV kind of, but like much more advanced and like a longer range and stuff. And then we get Jack's, I think it gets Showtime. Uh, fun fact though when stargate moved to the sci-fi channel this line was redubbed to be jack saying mm, gould tv <laughs> because it's no longer on showtime so it didn't make sense anymore <laughs> that's just funny yeah i've and, never seen the sci-fi version uh, i mean i probably have but it's been years so but i also read apparently that when Stargate was on Hulu for a brief period of time, the the dubbed over the mm, Ghoul TV was still in place, but the the subtitles still said the Think It Gets Showtime. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> I so I mean, yeah, if that's true, that's kind of hilarious. <laughs> so I never watched it with subtitles. I did watch it when it was on Hulu. I never um, had. So I don't know because I just I just found my DVDs. I found, literally found them yesterday <gasps> in the basement in a box. I have all ten seasons and all the movies. So happy! I've been missing them for years. 
You mean they're not like in a in a place of pride on your like movie bookshelves? Season what? one is. The rest of them were supposed to be. They vanished on me one day, and I. It's been years since I was able to find them, and I finally oh. dug my way far enough back through the boxes in the basement. I found them. I have them back. Yay! Back on the shelf in the nerd Yay. in in nerd room. Anyway, fantastic. Uh, Glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was I? What was I gonna say? I was there was a point know. to that. Hulu. Oh um, yeah, I I have watched it on Hulu, but I never okay. watched it with subtitles. Okay. So, but I I swear to God, he still said, "Do you think it gets Showtime?" I don't think I've ever heard anything else. Yeah, I don't well, know. We're gonna have yeah. to search the interweb for that. Yes. Mm. But yeah, it's interesting. I got the ABIs laying around somewhere. SG One is also currently part of the Comet TV network rotation. Which we get it on Sling. It's apparently a new-ish uh, like sci-fi channel because it has like Stargate and Sliders and like Babylon Five and stuff. And I'll maybe have to keep an eye out for when they get because it seems like they just sort of keep going through the rotation of SG One. You know, mm-hmm. like they get to the end and they just go back to the beginning. They're in like season seven right now, so I might have to keep an eye out and see when they might go back. They used to be on a Spanish. TV station on Sling 2. Huh. You remember? I, I told you about that one on Twitter. Maybe. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a Spanish wrestling channel or something. Oh. And they played SG-1. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. It was, it was weird because, like, all the ads for Spanish wrestling would come on during the commercial breaks. Yeah. Huh. And it's like, you know, uh, the the uh, Mucho Libre. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was cool. Not cool. Oh, that's just funny. <laughs> uh, well, so after we get the, the Showtime joke, uh, Tilk finally says that now that he knows where the door is in the room, because apparently the ghoul would like to like disguise doors just like into the wall so you don't know where the door is. But now that he knows where the door is, they can leave, so SG-1 heads out, and off they go. There's some implications there. Yes? Had the Serpent Guards not walked in, would they have just spent the rest of their time on that planet <laughs> in the gate room because Teal couldn't find the damn door? Well, I mean, also, they were there for, like, two seconds. Like, Tilk didn't even, like, look around. I imagine Tilk would have started looking and would have eventually found it. Because it I does seem to be... I would have loved to see an outtake of that. <laughs> right? Hours, Chris Judge is just later. walking along in circles, trying to turn every glyph <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of very convenient stuff in this episode, I will say. Right. Yeah, there is. But, you know, we skip it. We ignore it. Yep. So from there, we cut back to Earth where Ferretti walks into the briefing room with Walter to find Hammond. And fun fact here, for some reason, this is the last on-screen appearance of Brett State as Major Ferretti. Major Freddy never appears on screen again after this episode. Yeah. He's mentioned briefly, like in passing, but never seen on screen. He talks to Jack, doesn't he? 
through the we we hear Ferretti in the first ones, don't we? Um, he's mentioned in Shades of Grey. Hold on. Um, bum, da, da, da. where did I see that? Um, no, I don't. I don't think even his voice is heard. Yeah, this is the last time. That's weird. On- yeah. Because isn't doesn't isn't Freddie left behind to guard the gate while Jack and the the rest go off to find Daniel? In which episode? The first ones. Uh, apparently not. Um. Do, 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 do. Uh, he's mentioned in Shades of Grey, but no, never on screen voice or physical huh. presence. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just seems very remember strange. him as being part of the SGC. Uh, yeah, he's like always there, but for some reason, but actually somehow not. <laughs> right. So Walter confirms to Hammond that it was SG-1 that went through the gate and it was to the coordinates that Daniel brought back from the alternate reality. Freddie offers to go through with the rest of SG-2 and bring them back. And Hammond's like, yeah, but you'd only be bringing them back for a court-martial. So do you really want to do that? And Freddie's like, permission to speak freely, sir. And you know, go ahead. And Freddie just wants to go and back Jack up. I mean, Jack has saved his life countless times. He's out there alone with his team going into an unknown but probably very dangerous situation. They're going to need backup let us go. And he's like, I will take that under advisement. I love Freddy. Me too. It's like the parental version of like, well, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I will take that under advisement. <laughs> uh, I'll talk to your father about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so back with SG-1, they're making their way through whatever facility it is that they're in and they find a sarcophagus in a room which yay sarcophagus awesome more more snake heads yay uh tilk however is mesmerized by whatever's on the wall and it turns out it's not a wall it's a window because guess what they're not on a planet they're on a ship and they're <gasps> now like, flying through space and what they felt was some kind of hyper launch yes so, yeah, she was just flying through space on a Gould spaceship. Yeah, space. that's it. Cut. End of story. No, this is a very <laughs> short episode. So short. Oh, my God. Can you believe it? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. yeah, it's still the 42 minutes, but yeah. we got through it so much faster than we got through Grace of God. Somehow. <laughs> Less happened. So apparently, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, really important stuff happened. Yes. But I think more happens in the second half. I think so. Which we'll get to eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so back on Earth, we have SG2 and what looks like like a bunch of... There's, there's a whole bunch of people there. It's not just SG2. There's a bunch of people there in the gate room. They're gearing up to go after SG-1, but, like, the 7th Chevron won't lock, which is very interesting. 
But also, like, while the gate is dialing, Hammond is giving his speech, and he does that thing he does where he goes, your official mission is to bring SG-1 back for court-martial with the, like, underlying tech stuff. But also, if you happen to stop this, like, planet-wide extinction at the hands of the ghoul, please do so. Kind of thing. Which I love. I love when Hammond does that. It's like, officially, you're supposed to do this please also understand that you should do this other thing that you don't actually have permission to do. Right. It's like officially he's dad and unofficially he's uncle George. (laughs) Oh, uncle George. Oh, that's great. I love that. That's fantastic. (laughs) 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 I never thought of it like that, but that is like so true. Yeah. Exactly. It is. Yeah, he is. He's like, he's, he's like their uncle. Yeah. And if he could get out there and get in trouble with him, you know, he absolutely would. So back with SG-1, apparently Tilk has never been on a ship as large as this when a Jaffa runs into the room that they're in and sees only Jack. So everybody else has time to hide, which is fantastic and super convenient. So Jack vamps as he does and like asks, like, hey, have you seen the bathroom when... Sam steps out and shoots the guy twice, and he's dead. Cool. The Zack guns work. And then Tilk comes up and shoots him a third time with the Zack gun, and he disintegrates. Mm-hmm. So, hey, so one shot stuns, two shots kill, three shots disintegrates. Would you have loved to have been in the meeting when they were talking about that weapon and they were like, okay, we need to, we need, we need to spice things up. We can't just have these staff weapons anymore. What you got? And someone's like, all right. (laughs) I remember reading that they actually really regret the third shot rule. The fact that the third shot disintegrates, they like the producers hate the fact that they did that. Like in, Oh, I guess they wanted it to do something else. They, they just thought it was, it was too convenient. Because you can oh, shoot anything yes. three times and make it disappear. Right. Which is just too convenient. I mean, it's cool, but it's just, like, way too convenient for Right. Stuff. And you you would never find a body of a person killed by a Zat gun, right? Yeah. Oh, I would yeah. use that, like, on my garden. I don't want you weeds. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be great for weeding a garden. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I could see them. I could see them regretting that because yeah. it's just it's it like yeah, it it is too Deus ex machina. It it, oh, it yeah. can get them out of way too many situations. Yeah. So, but the fact that they're in a spaceship flying through space explains why Daniel couldn't dial home, because the point of origin is no longer valid. And also yeah. explains why the SGC couldn't dial in and get like SG2 and whoever there because the point of origin was no longer valid. So Jack's like, okay, well, how do we get home? Well, the only way to get home is to go back to where we came from. And well, it still can't pilot a ship like this, but hey, Dan- Daniel could just go ask the pilot to turn around. That'd be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So if there's. I do here, have to say though. Poor yeah. Daniel and his inability to get Jack home. Oh, yeah. He runs into this all the damn time. Mm-hmm. Their relationship <laughs> started like this. Yep. And it is yeah. a recurring theme throughout the entirety of their relationship. They go somewhere together and Daniel cannot get Jack home. Yep. It's a mm-hmm. thing. It is a thing. 
so since they can't get home, what now? Well, until they figure that out, they really should go like somewhere else because royal sarcophagi are not left unattended for long. So they head back out into the hall and hide from more Jaffa, which it's a very good thing. Jaffa ships are filled with like lots of nooks and crannies in which to hide. There, there, there's a lot of hiding going on. There yeah, there is. There's, there's some excellent choreography in this episode. There really is. And so Daniel looks into the room they're hiding in the entry of, because apparently Gould ships don't have a lot of, like, there are some doors, but there aren't always doors. Sometimes there's just various panels laid out in such a fashion as to simulate a door, but not actually be a door. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, there's like, I, I you know, do. You know, I do, there's because like, there's, there's panels there's, that yep. are overlaid, like, like overlapping but set apart and so it's 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 you know the function of a door without being a door right so worst roommate situation ever (laughs) yes Uh, (laughs) could you imagine if your bedroom door had been like that when you were a teenager no (laughs) no so like from inside you thought you had a door and then from outside what you had no. was two doors without doors? Yeah, no. You you just you had walls that were right. Yeah. And then hallways and then your door and then yeah. Yeah. It's very confusing. We should say door a few more times. <laughs> Can we say door anymore? <laughs> I think it'll cease being a word. Door 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 door. <laughs> And on top of that, if your walls were covered with all sorts of symbols, you didn't even know where the door was, you can get out of your own room. Right? Oh. And you're walking along oh. trying to turn every damn glyph on the wall. You can't find the door. <laughs> so terrible. So you're like, damn it, I gotta pee! <laughs> Wait a minute. Are there restrooms on Gould ships? We don't see any. There better don't have be. Body break. There better be. Is all I have to say. Uh, Are there in fact bathrooms on Gould ships? And how do you pee when you're wearing the the, the serpent armor? I don't. It's got to take you like half an hour to pee in that thing. They have metal cod pieces. Uh, like, do you need a friend? Like, like, like when you're getting married, you need the big ass bridal gown on. I need my, I need my friends to help me pee. There you go. Jaffa, uh. <laughs> go to the bathroom in threes. Yep. One holds the helmet, one holds the cod piece. <laughs> oh. These are all things that we should have thought of for convention questions. <laughs> oh. If it's happening next year, I'm going and I'm asking Christopher Judge, how did the Jaffa pee? <laughs> Are oh there bathrooms? Oh, my God. Are there bathrooms? Write uh, that down. Poor Shanks, if they're on stage together, oh, we can ask <laughs> CJ that question. <laughs> oh, he would just he would just walk off stage and be like, I'm done. Right? <laughs> Have you oh. ever seen Finding Nemo? <laughs> Oh, do you remember there was that one? Chris Judge got off stage. He got off stage, followed a woman out the hall. (laughs) And, like, 
legit forgot he was doing a panel. Yeah, forgot he was on a panel. He was just standing in the hallway talking to this woman. <laughs> with his mic Wait, on what? so we could hear what? everything he said. <gasps> For real? For real. For real. Oh, man. Meanwhile, Michael's on stage going, Chris, Chris. <laughs> oh, God, it was hilarious. We were all laughing our asses off. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so funny. It was hilarious. Oh, they are very funny on stage yeah. together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although you get the the um, you do get the impression that uh, Shanks was pretty well uh, Chris's babysitter. Mhm. Mhm. Set at all times because like they're yeah. the the closest friendship wise. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody else would accept responsibility for keeping track of Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's funny. Yeah. yeah, which led to Michael asking the audience multiple times, "Have you ever seen Finding Nemo?" <laughs> yes, we have, Michael. Yes, we get. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, where were we? Okay, okay. Bathrooms so in Jaffa. So, that's where we were. No, in the episode, what was actually happening in the episode? Okay, oh. so SG1 is hiding. And Daniel sort of peeks around one of the, the the walls that's not a door, but is a wall. And he sees a bunch of death gliders being prepared for launch. And like it, it's happening. The attack that happened in the alternate universe is getting ready to happen here. So it's like, it's real. It's going to happen. So by according to Sam, based on the location where we gated to, it should take over a year to get back to Earth based on how fast a Hatak vessel can travel. But also we're not on a Hatak vessel because Tilk has never seen this before. So rough estimate at best. Well, yeah. Also, she has no idea where the hell they are. Well, apparently she, based on the gate coordinates, she knew where in space they were going. Ish. Ish. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then, so suddenly there is an announcement in Gawold slash Ancient Egyptian. And Daniel interprets this as all the Jaffa are being called together for some sort of gathering. And through a gap in an actual door that Jack is like peeking through he sees a sarcophagus or I guess the sarcophagus being moved down the hall. So SG1 decide to follow because they kind of need to know what's going on. And May I just say yes. that I love that the Goa'uld have developed a PA system all on their own. That is pretty cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Shipwide communication PA yep. system that sounds about as, um, Good as the one at IGA. Yep. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so they end up back in the gate room with the large metal sphere. And the sarcophagus is now there as well with many Jaffa and like priests and like priestesses. When Apophis appears on the sphere scream thing and announces the end of the scourge that plagues them. Uh, us. He, mean, he means humans from Earth. Mm-hmm. Us. Is, is the scourge that plagues them. Yes. And while he can't be there now, he will join them soon. And until then, all Jaffa should follow the orders of his son as if they were his own. And just who is his son? It's Skara! In a really bad wig. Who is now Chlorel. 
I adore that wig. What do you mean, really bad wig? It's a bad. It doesn't look. It's a bad wig. There's no hairline. It looks like a bunch of yarn plopped on his head. Well, yeah, but it's Scara's hair. It's. I mean, it's the same wig that he wore as Scara. It. It. I don't know if it is. It doesn't look good. I don't like it. He didn't. His hair wasn't like that in the movie, though. No. But it was when they went back. It was in it, Children of the Gods, but it it was not like that in the movie. It was shorter in the movie. It seems bigger here than I remember in Children of the Gods. It's pretty like, big. But then again, he's a god now. That's true. And it's the '90s, so you know, yeah. big hair. Big hair is kind of a thing. Well, you know, Mariah Carey was popular. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Big diva, big hair. Yes, that's true. So here's Chlorel. Gross. Because that's that's Gara. <laughs> It's not yeah, Chlorella Scara. Jack's like that's gross. Uh, that's but, not gross. He's he's a he's a guy, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jack says like gross though. That, that I don't know. Well, yeah. There's a ghoul inside him. That's not kosher. Yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. Not kosher. <laughs> that's not right. That's not right. Uh, so, uh, but then everybody clears out of the gate room once again, not noticing SG one, and they're in stealth to, mode. <laughs> they're all in black. Head off into other parts of the ship. Uh, so, so what's the plan here? Now that we know, kind of, we kind, of, we mostly know what's going on. So, what's the plan? So the plan is Daniel and Sam are going to go and start planting C four all over the ship, wherever they can. And Jack and Tilk are going to go try and grab Skara. Good luck with that. I never really thought that was a good plan to begin with. Hey, I let's mean, kidnap him on his own ship. I know, but I, I, they, but they also wouldn't not try and do that. You know, it's Skara. Well, yeah. Well, I would totally be up for that if they had some sort of, like, exit strategy to get him off the ship. Yeah, that's true. It's like they're going to kidnap him and then, what, they're surrounded by all of Chlorel's loyal guards and people. Right. Now, here, I I have to – one of very few because this, this, you know, four-episode season – this four-episode arc is – among my absolute favorite episodes of the entire 10 years. I love everything about it. I think it's like perfect television, but mm-hmm. bugs the hell out of me that Jack is more worried about Daniel's brother than Daniel is. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting that they're siblings. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's like no, there, there's, there's, there's nothing there. And Daniel was so frantic about Share and Scara, about yeah. losing both of them, his wife and his brother, at the same time. And now, you go plant bombs, I'll go save your brother. What? I mean. Maybe Daniel knows or thinks he's, you know, too close 
He doesn't even mention him. I know. Maybe and the maybe the writers forgot that they were siblings. <laughs> I think they kind of did, and they I were just so. under the impression that like Scara was Zach's brother. Jack. Yeah, can't talk about Scara was Jack's, you know, person. Right. Instead yeah. of Daniel's, and he's really both of theirs. But after yeah. a year living together and i mean oh. all the stuff that they would have done together and all the things that scara would have taught him yeah. about abydos in that year you know it yeah. just that all everything that they shared living together in kasuf's tent yeah yeah you know i mean it just yeah it, yeah. it was weird that that yeah. that's one of my one of my major major pet peeves with this this arc is that Daniel seems very indifferent and when we get to pretense you'll hear me bitch about it again. Oh, Daniel okay, yeah. seems very indifferent to his brother's fate and I don't like it. Yeah. Okay. Noted and valid. Yes, yes very valid. So we cut to what I'm going to call the sarcophagus room where Chlorel is with just a handful of guards and he activates a like control panel of some kind in front of the window that Tilk was looking at before. And then after a brief fight from Jack and Tilk, all the Jaffa are down and Tilk manages to disarm Chlorel and they like take him captive and disable the controls for the door. So, like, nobody's getting in anytime soon. So, part one of the plan, yay, sort of. They ish. Have, ish. <laughs> they have chlorel. <laughs> yay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then we cut to Sam and Daniel running through the halls when they hear more Jaffa coming and it's really super convenient that the Jaffa makes so much noise whenever they're walking anywhere. Right? They cannot sneak up on anybody in the freaking no. serpent armor. No. And it's just, impossible. It's impossible. And uh, they just so happen to duck into the room that's full of death gliders that they saw earlier. And Sam's like, those have to be fueled with something, right? Fuel blows up. Cool. So Sam heads over and like puts C4 on one of the death gliders. So that's going to be a lot of explosion later. It's totally the logic I would go with too. Like I, I mean, she's those, not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> those go explode and make explosions, right? Yes. Blow them up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, I was thinking it's very convenient that gold gasoline is explosive. Well, all gasoline is explosive. Yeah, but we don't know. I mean, maybe they're unleaded. <laughs> or, 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 you know, maybe they're running on, you know, high-octane pure ethanol or something. <laughs> maybe they're hybrids. They're half electric. <laughs> there you go. I mean, they are technologically advanced, so. It's the Tesla version of the death fight. <laughs> Elon Musk is piloting <laughs> one of them. Uh, there are rumors he's from Mars, so you never know. Right? Oh, totally. He might hit. be. He could be a gold. I would not be surprised. 
Uh, so we cut back to Jack and Tilk and Chlorel, and Jack is trying to get through to Skara underneath Chlorel, but Chlorel like just keeps taunting him, like he's like Skara, he was weak, he's he, like just bashing Skara as much as he can, which is just Jack's not having like any of it, and like we also hear like the sounds of Jaffa trying to get into the room that's been locked down and at one point jack's like he's just like enough You're like he's he's done with chlorel he is over this whole chlorel thing he needs scara back so he's gonna try shooting chlorel with the zap gun because like one shot knocks him out so it should be fine right okay so he Shoots Chlorel, and apparently it, like, stuns the symbiote, but, like, Scar is still there. Scar is back. Scar, Scar is here. Yay! Yay! And he's This just, makes no sense. I, I don't really get it either, but I'm going to go with it because it's Scar. We okay. need Scar back. I'm going with it. Okay. But, like, and, I mean, he's in, a, he's in a lot of pain, whether that pain is from the symbiote or the Zaklin or both. I just, he, oh, it's. Alexa Cruz does such a good job here. He really does. Oh, he's beautiful. And, like, oh, wait, act- you meant his acting performance. Yes. Also good. <laughs> also good. Yes. The acting is fantastic, too. <laughs> and uh, he asks Jack's forgiveness for what they're about to do. And he's Jack's like, what What are you about to do? Like, what, what are you about to do? But before Jack can get any more information out of him, Chlorel takes control again and the Jaffa get through the door and Jack and Tilk really have no option but to surrender and Chlorel plan failed. Yeah, plan failed. Chlorel zats Jack and the guards get ready to kill Jack and Tilk, but Chlorel stops them, saying that his father will be pleased to have the traitor and his recruiter. So apparently Chlorel now has a plan of his own. Haha. Yes. And they really didn't think their plan through. Not really, no. Very well. <laughs> it was yeah. a Jack plan. You know it's going to fail. Yeah. You get your uh, plans from Daniel or Tilk. Yes. You don't get them from Sam and you don't get them from Jack. Because if you get them from either of those, they're going to fail. Yeah. Mm. And mm. Sam's going to send you to a planet that you can't get back from. <laughs> So we cut to Daniel and Sam now in the gate room of the ship, and Sam is placing C4 on the gate because that will make a, a very big boom when suddenly the door is open. But of course, Sam and Daniel still have time to hide because they always do. Stealth and mode. Stealth mode. And in comes Chlorel with Jack and Tilk and the guards. And Apophis pops up on the screen, and he is presented with Jack and Tilk. He is very surprised and asks how many more there are. Jack's like, we brought thousands. We, we got a whole army with us. And Clara's like, no, it's just them. There's only I these two. There's no way there could be any more. So yes. <laughs> with, with the way that device is modeled where it just shows his torso and head, I'm trying to imagine what the device looks like on the other end. Because if it's just a huge ball like that one on the other end, that had to have meant that, like, Apophis was just sitting there waiting for them. Yeah, I do wonder, like, what the the, the sending device looks like. Yeah. 
if the one on Chlorel ship is the receiver, what's the transmitter look like? Is the other one just something tiny he can carry around? Yeah, and I my my I've always wondered the same thing that that mm-hmm. Rachel is talking about, which is the how did they get a hold of him so fast, and why is he in the exact same position he was when he gave the speech? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like because, he like, didn't move; he just sat there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like Chlorel didn't like push any buttons or anything; like they just walked into the room and the ball turned on. Yeah. Right. So why wasn't Apophis like spying on them through the ball the whole damn time? Yeah, I don't know. But my other question in the scene, so Jack does this script about we brought a whole army and Clara's like, it's just these two. There's no there's no way anybody else could be here. Is this a bit of Scara coming through? Possibly. There are times in this episode where I think Scara comes through. I do think it's Scara that stops Clorel from having Jack and Teal killed when yeah. they first encountered. Right. Um, and then Chlorel covers by saying, you know, my father will want to see blah, blah, blah. I think it's Scar right. that first says, no, we're don't kill him. Yeah. Um, okay. But here, I think that is Chlorel because that is the fact that he follows it with the, there's no way anyone else could be here is like a prideful boast. Yeah. Okay. That's what would like to meet too. Okay. Um, so Apophis orders Jack and Tilk to be killed. Tilk by the removal of his his symbiote, which is the most painful death a Jaffa can know, and Jack to be killed in whatever manner Chlorel is. And somehow immediately a priest comes into the room to remove Tilk's symbiote. Yeah, I thought that was kind but, of fast too. Um, yeah, like how how did you know to come to this room at this exact moment in time? It was a little like, huh, okay. Um, because he's a priest. But, he was praying, and Apophis <laughs> answered his prayer. Okay. See. Okay. He's got it, he's got it in with the big guy. He's a priest. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, so and he he pulls <laughs> right. out this. Uh. <laughs> and, right. and um yeah and so the priest like pulls out this huge just like really scary looking double pronged knife fork thing like i don't know what the thing's gonna do but it's not gonna be pleasant for like anybody involved uh, maybe for the priest a little bit but definitely not for <laughs> tilk <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but Chlorel, he may enjoy this. He did have but, quite a pleased um, look on his face. He was like, I get to use it. I get to use it. Uh, but, um, it's, it's really scary looking. But then, uh, Chlorel, again, may, maybe Scara somehow here. Uh, like stops it from happening like right there and then and orders Jack and Tilk to be taken to the Pelpack and Sam wants to just like go after them immediately right now but somehow Daniel is still concerned about the whole blowing up the ship thing if they should also get captured now and so yeah I'm like why why 
Daniel should that's not be the, concerned with blowing up anything. That conversation should, it, 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 it's like they were reading each other's lines. It really yeah. is. And it's, it's almost also more sort of like the audience will be concerned with this. So we need somebody in the TV show to voice the audience's concern about, but don't you need to blow up the ship to stop the attack? So Sam sets a timer for 24 hours. That should have, the, the, yeah, the, the, somebody, some, the, the, the person saying we need to blow up the ship should have been Sam because she is yes. the soldier. She is the yes. one that would be focused on carrying out her orders. That yes. is Daniel's best friend and brother. He yes. should be the one concerned about going after them. Yes. It's backwards. It really is. I will give them. Yeah, benefit-ish of the doubt um, that they were still feeling the characters out, but they should have known yeah. me better than this by now. I mean, we do also have the fact that Daniel has already lived through this, so that must be weighing on his mind of, I know what happens at the end of this, and it's not good, so we need to not get to the end of this. He knows, like, the monster at the end of the book, so to get them to stop turning pages and yeah that's true that i mean that is true he does have that in his head so he's going to be focused on keeping that from happening to earth but he also knows that teal is with them yeah they are there on the ship they've already changed the outcome yeah first in some way just by being there it's just very out of character yeah Daniel to worry about the destruction and Sam to worry about the human lives. It's backwards. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So we catch up with Coral, Jack and Tilk, and they're back in the sarcophagus room, which apparently that's what the Peltac is. And Chlorel asks Jack if he would like to go home. Yes, obviously. Jack would like to go home. And one of the Jaffa that are with them places his hand on a large blue sphere and Tilk tries to warn Jack about something, but then Jack just falls flat on his face as the ship drops out of whatever hyperspeed thing they were in. And again, Tilk remains standing because he's used to this kind of thing and knows what mm-hmm. to do. Right. Uh, which again, a little moment of levity in a very serious episode. Uh, yeah, situation. I love that they made a theme out of just uh, chucking yeah. the members of SG-1 around whatever yeah. room they happened to be in at the time. Yeah. So Jack gets up and looks out the window and, oh, hey, look, it's Saturn. Uh, Jack's going to get to see Earth again just before it gets destroyed. Dun, Fantastic. Yes. And uh, someone on the Internet did the math and figured out that based on how fast the image is moving past Saturn, size of Saturn's rings and stuff, it would apparently take 11 hours for the ship to reach Earth from where they are next to Saturn. Oh, So we finally cut back to the SGC, and uh, we see Walter come in to tell General Hammond that the Cairn Deep Space Radar caught Two large blips passing by Saturn. Guess who? What? There's there's no ID yet, but NASA is repositioning Hubble to get a better look. T 
Do you guys know anything about the Cairn Deep Space Radar? <gasps> no. I Would know you that like it's spelled C A I R N. Yes. But that's Would all. you like know? Would you like to know more about it? Yes. Of course. Well, I can't tell you anything about it because it's not actually a real thing. Ugh. I knew this is the time I should have just said no. <laughs> so I think this is probably one of the first instances we have where there's a reference to some sort of Earth-based technology that's not actually a real thing. The Cairn Deep Space Radar is not a thing that actually exists. However, it was probably based on like NASA Deep Space Radar Network, uh, possibly either the Goldstone Solar System Radar or Arecibo, because those are the two systems that did most of the research in what is called near-Earth object observation which is, you know, the things that scan nearby Earth to, you know, look for asteroids and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the Goldstone Solar System Radar is located in the desert near Barstow, California. It's been used to investigate Mercury, Venus, Mars, the asteroids, and the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. And it was also used extensively to find sites for the Mars landers. And I think we all know about Arecibo in Puerto Rico. It was the largest single aperture telescope for 53 years until 2016 with the completion of the 500-meter aperture spherical telescope in China. But Arecibo was decommissioned in November 2020 before it completely collapsed on December 1st, 2020. I was going to say, is that the one that collapsed last winter? Yep. yep. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you you may have seen it in the movies GoldenEye and Contact. In in GoldenEye, I think it's sort of like the last sort of big action scene where Sean Bean dies. He like gets impaled on a thing on Arecibo. I played uh, that game. There's ah. a level. There's a level where you shoot people on that thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. So while Karen itself does not exist. We do have the technology that would do what uh, Walter says Karen has done. So, well, it does make sense that since yeah, they're they're using the Stargate and they're going to you know a different um, not not different galaxies yet because they don't have the ability to get out of the Milky Way yet. But <laughs> going to what glitch from the movie. Glitch from the movie. It's in the movie, Abydos is on the other side of the known universe. Oh, instead of the other side of the known galaxy. galaxy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and anyway. in, the, in the show, the in reason that the reason they were able to dial Abydos is because it is so close to Earth. Yes. Yeah. But um, because it hadn't shifted much. Yeah. Yeah. Relatively. We'll anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Right. So since they they, it makes sense. That NASA, alongside the SGC, mm-hmm. that its most, you know, it, it, its highest level, top, top, top secret scientists um, would be developing super deep space telemetry to go along with this because, 
yeah, we we're we're not leaving the galaxy, but we are leaving the solar system. And mm-hmm. hey, these guys have ships. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that actually yeah. does make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other interesting thing is like these these near Earth monitoring systems or near Earth object observation systems. They just sort of randomly scan space. They don't like, I'm going to go look at Saturn and like, go look at Saturn. There's just sort of generally scanning all of space. So the fact that they actually caught these things going by Saturn is, again, super convenient because chances are they wouldn't have been looking at Saturn at that particular point in time. But, oh, my God, luckily they were. Yeah, that's true. How, yay, convenient and, and good for us that... They were looking at Saturn at that point in time. Very true. So uh, Hammond then comments that Daniel is lucky to not be there to see his nightmare come true a second time. Oh, oh if only he knew where Daniel actually was. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you, he knows. He's he's seeing it firsthand. But then Hammond picks up the red phone and calls the president because this, if any situation called for the red phone, it's this situation. Mm-hmm. I think this is definitely a red phone situation. Yes, yes, I agree. Yes. We then get a quick cut back to Sam and Daniel, who are again hiding from more Jaffa. And Daniel just looks so over this at this point. Just like really have to duck behind another wall door <laughs> thing. Really. Uh, <laughs> shakes his face through this entire episode just cracks just like, me are we up. are we done with this yet are, are we done are we done but yeah uh also but, like, glasses yeah like, where are his glasses? oh i noticed that too he's not wearing his glasses like at all at yeah. all doesn't oh. he need those he does apparent but apparently he does but also apparently does not right but basically like it seems like all of the Jaffa on the ship are like trudging down the hall at this point. So since that's a lot of Jaffa, again, let's follow and see where they go. And they go and start getting in all the death gliders. Well, where else are they going to go? I don't know. They're going to the death gliders. And we then cut back to Hammond, who is addressing everybody who is still at the SGC, that the president is now mobilizing every branch of the military, including the Guard and the Reserves, and that the SGC will be the base of command for the Air Force, and Hammond needs the control room converted into the command center, like now people, including making sure they have encrypted communication with all Air Force bases and NASA. So things are happening. Pieces are moving. People finally have been convinced that this attack on Earth is happening and we are mobilizing our defenses as best we can. Because they think Tomcats are going to be able to go one-on-one against death fighters. Yeah. Yeah. America. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is America. Like, America. I mean, pretty well. Yeah. Come at me, bro. <laughs> uh, I will shoot you with this Q-tip. That's like that I have. You. Back on the ship, Sam and Daniel have found the sarcophagus room again with Chlorel and Jack and Tilk. And Sam sets off a smoke bomb to distract some of the guards to get them to leave. And they fall for it because Jafar are stupid. And (laughs) 
Sam and Daniel start firing on them, and Jack and Tilk take advantage of this distraction as well and start fighting like hand to hand with like the Jaffa that they're left with. And then Sam and Daniel run into the room to help clear out those Jaffa. Unfortunately, Chlorel is able to sort of get the drop on Daniel and starts using the hand device on him when Jack grabs Daniel's gun and aims it at Chlorel and he begs Skara to stop like so passionately and Mm. Tilk just yells at Jack like you have to do something now you have to act and so Jack shoots Chlorel and uh, Skara dies in his arms and it's so heartbreaking and awful and terrible and just you know jack has already had one son die and now here's the other one dying in his arms it is horrible and it is terrible and daniel is just sitting there with this look on his face like the fuck just happened yeah yeah daniel has had his brains scrambled like right by that hand device like yeah he's not for like the second time right uh, this happened to him before. It happened in the movie. Yeah, it happened in the movie. Yeah. Don't know if it's happened in the show, but yeah. But keep count. <laughs> I mean, should 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 there be some kind of like concussion check after somebody gets their brain scrambled <laughs> with a hand device? Like, is that the memo from this one? That might be the memo from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I it, it's like anything that's gonna happen, anything that is going to physic go physically wrong on a mission, is going to happen to Daniel. Yeah. Right. Yep. If yeah. someone's gonna get shot, it's gonna be Daniel. If He's someone's gonna get ribboned, it's gonna be Daniel. I mean, come on. He's the wooby. Well, yeah. The what? He's the, the wooby. He's the cute and adorable one that always gets hurt so the the hero can save him. Oh, okay. Except in this instance, the hero gives not a single shit about his best friend lying on the ground with his brain scrambled. Well, his, his, like, surrogate son is, he had to shoot his surrogate son. I know. It's, it's a tough situation Jack is in. It is. It is. And Sam, I mean, Sam's there to help Daniel, so it's fine. Sam's there. All she does is touch his shoulder and go, are you okay? Is is better than nothing? I don't know. She didn't but, even have an ice pack or anything. Right? <laughs> Daniel, do you need a Motrin? <laughs> but then, yeah, but then we have Till standing at the window who's like, Jack O'Neill, you need to come here now. And Jack's like, I'm a little busy. Give me a second because I just had to kill my son again. Right. And he's like, no, you need to see this now because uh, that's Earth. Earth is there. They're, they have made it back to Earth. The Death Gliders are ready for attack. And then we, like, pull back out of the ship and we see there's another ship waiting right there. Oops. Beautiful and shot of the four of them, though. Really. It is It is a very gorgeous shot. And it's uh, to be continued. I do have to comment, though, that Daniel recovered remarkably quickly. He did. He really did. He usually yeah. does. I mean, he's used to it by now, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
still no glasses. No. Um, maybe it's not, like a Clark. Maybe it's like a Superman Clark Kent thing. He's not wearing the glasses, therefore he's fine. <laughs> I mean, his prescription must be like 0.25 or something. Based but they on, have established so many times that he cannot see without yeah, them. I know. When he is, he's nearsighted. He's severely nearsighted. Maybe when he's finally wearing contacts. <laughs> maybe. Does he? Maybe mm-hmm. he got contacts for this mission. Well, we find out the answer to that question in the second episode. <gasps> because the glasses miraculously reappear. Oh, they do. I don't even remember that. They do. That's funny. So he lost his con. So the the head thing like sucked out his contact lenses. It's possible. Is what it did, or it's it made possible. them disintegrate or something. Possibly. <laughs> oh, okay. I love this episode so much, though. Yeah. I love that. Like, I I love this entire arc. Yeah. Um, and there's so many. Um, you know, it added to the opening credits or just, you know, what became to the fandom, the like iconic shots of the four of them yeah. um, in the in the control room, running up the gate um, mm-hmm. the, at the end, looking out at Earth. Yeah. You know, it just it is so much beautiful cinematography. It really is. Yeah. Um, oh, and standing standing in the briefing room above the gate, looking down from politics too. That yeah. was another one. I, I yeah. love that shot too. Yeah. Um, Daniel also lost his sling. Um, like. Oh yeah. Fair. The quickly. next day. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I imagine it's it's been more than a day if Hammond like went to DC and tried to plead their case. To everybody he could. I always imagine there's probably like at least a week between politics and this. At least. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, those. Daniel's arm was a full thickness burn from a staff weapon. He's not going to be out of that sling in a week. Yeah, but I mean, if you really look at it at the beginning of politics, at the beginning of politics, it kind of really doesn't look that bad. Right. You know, like what happened at the end. At the end of Grace of God, does it? Yeah. No. It, it really is doesn't. bleeding and oozing and black like bleh, everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. In politics, it just kind of looks like a little bit ketchup. Junky <laughs> <laughs> uh, ketchup. Yeah. Um, okay, so any memos from this episode, like concussion check? Yes? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go with disobeying orders is a no-no, and that's the exact verbiage that they're going to send out in the memo, <laughs> which later will just get crossed out in pencil when they <laughs> prove to be right. Right? <laughs> yes. Um, if you're going to get, uh, if you're going to get brain ribbon to make sure that you um, slide your gun across the floor to your commanding officer first. Mm-hmm. Always, always <laughs> a good idea. Yes. Yep. Yep. Take note of the doors. <laughs> Please find all exits and entrances. Locate and- the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, because and, and and remember that the vending machine will be on opposite floors with the public restroom. <laughs> <laughs> 
do the vending machines also alternate between food and beverage? Mmm, <laughs> good question. And can good you only find goodness. you only find Dr. Pepper on the top floor? <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> and if you are looking for diet, do forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't exist. <laughs> oh. oh. If you need ice, you're just SOL because none of the ice makers work. Nope. They never work. <laughs> See what else? If you are traversing the ship, make sure that you always relocate the uh, hangar bay. Oh, because yeah. Because it's, it's vital that you re-enter the hangar bay three or four times. Yep. Yep. Um, if you feel a really large thrust in motion, chances are the planet is not moving. You are... <laughs> <laughs> Big horses, not zebras, people. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, going to addresses not on the Abydos and uh, then on the Abydos cartouche is a really bad idea. <laughs> Can't and say. Always, don't, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, always remember to be in stealth mode. Right. <laughs> Yes. Wear black. Yep. <laughs> they will totally not see you against the gold wall. Nope. Yep. <laughs> Even if you're hiding behind the one foot thick freaking pedestal. And <laughs> uh, always remember Jafar stupid. <laughs> and they can't hit the broadside of a barn with their staff weapons. <laughs> yep. They're like stormtroopers. Remember when Jaffa were scary and undefeatable? Yeah. Remember when bullets didn't go through the armor? Yeah. But that wouldn't work very well on a TV show, would it? No. No. Yeah, it really wouldn't. No. Make them really hard to... to... Remember when Apophis was a Jaffa? (laughs) (laughs) Or not Apophis, not Apophis. um, Anubis. Anubis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, all in all, at the time, having watched this when it originally aired on Showtime and all the thousands of times I've I've watched it since then, there's a lot of really kind of meaty stuff in here. There is. Mm Mm-hmm. This Um, is... This is... Definitely up there as far as season one episodes. I don't know if it's like number one for me, but it's top five, I would say. Yeah, I would, I would, I would put this top five. I think probably my absolute favorite season one episode is going to have to be Grace of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there before the Grace of God is up there, and yeah. This is, this Mine is are a good all one. Daniel episodes, you know. Oh, I assume. surprise! Surprise! Arts, surprise! Yeah. Not surprised at all. No. Yeah. Fire and water. Mm. Hathor. Yeah. Grace of God. This one. That one where they did that thing. <laughs> I love that episode. I love that one where they did the thing. Yeah. And they met the people. It was cool. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, with the but with the stuff in the thing. Oh yes. yes. Oh. And then the thing happened. Yes. I love that stuff. Okay. Oh, yeah. That was great. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, should we get into the episode title? Sure. So, Within the Serpent's Grasp. 
uh, as far as I could tell, there's, it's not actually any sort of like literary reference or reference to anything else other than just like the plot of the episode, which I think works very well for, you know, what's happening here. You know, Apophis is, you know, the serpent god and we get Jack until captured by them, by Chlorel and sort of Apophis. And, you know, they really are within the serpent's grasp at this point in the show. Yeah, um, that's the way I always took it, was that the four of them, like, put themselves right in the palm of Apophis's hand. Yeah. Uh, would you like to know the title of this episode in some foreign countries whose language I can mostly pronounce? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So, in French, this episode was called Dans le Nid du Serpent, which is In the Serpent's Nest. Okay. In Germany, this was Die Invasion, title three. Uh because I, I forget how to say three in German. I used to know. Uh, but that translates to Invasion Part 3. Which I think uh, works. You know, in the so whole. So it was Grace of God, Invasion Part 1, and Politics I, Part 2? Yeah. Yeah, it would have to yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, in Italian, it's L'Incubo si Avera. Which is The Nightmare Comes True. Ooh, I like that Ooh. one. Mm-hmm. In Spanish, it's A Merced de la Serpiente, which is At the Serpent's Mercy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. There are some Stargate and foreign languages for you. I like I like the Italian. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it's Daniel's nightmare coming true. It really well, it's kind is. of funny how that, that's like completely off. They had the title and they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to try We're going to make that. our own because yours is dumb. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, what would in the within the servant? And Germany was like, forget it. We're just going to be lazy with all four of them. <laughs> uh, one final fun fact: this episode was nominated for a Gemini Award for Best Visual Effects. Oh yay! Nice. Congratulations to them for that. And yay. now we all watch it and go, oh my god, those star streaks are so dumb. I, I think it holds up. I don't think it's that bad, really. Oh, the the matte painting of them pulling back from the ship is so obvious now, especially on HDTVs, because uh, you yeah. can kind of see the edges where the film stops and the matte begins. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1997, no, we couldn't see that. Yeah, that's true. You know, we're all watching it on 25-inch tube televisions. We we couldn't see that. Yeah. You know, you put it on a 70-inch HD freaking plasma, and you can see freaking RDA's nose hairs. (laughs) And I'm not sorry for it. Right? (laughs) Um, But it it makes the mat a little more obvious okay um but you know in for 1998 for that season yeah. of television it was it was yeah. you know remarkable especially yeah. for a small screen you know for for a television production yeah oh yeah absolutely for tv they were yeah yeah they 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 did like motion picture level effects for a TV yeah. show. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, any final comments, questions, or concerns? Or did we do it? 
Daniel's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> He's always You're pretty. pretty. You're both pretty. Oh, <laughs> stop. So are you. Oh, oh yeah. You're both gorgeous. Shut up. <laughs> uh. Okay, oh, Bree. Daniel's pretty. Jack is not yet dumb. No. Um, Jack or Daniel and Sam switched personalities for yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, so Daniel's so a lot. brain got yeah. Daniel's brain got scrambled. Um, and it was not a bad wig. Yes, it was. I like Chlorel's hair. So <laughs> to you. Okay, fine. Uh, all right, uh, Bree. Again, where can our listeners find you if they want to track you down on the internet anywhere? I am on a podcast for Cobra Kai called Cobra Kai Companion, Companion with a K. Uh, you can get us at uh, Cobra Kai Companion with a K dot com or any podcast catcher uh, anywhere your favorites. I am Brianna twenty five. I am on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, fanfiction.net, and archive of our own. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to what is most likely a very long episode. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore Rewatch or email us at WooSG Rewatch. That's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we'll see you next time for maybe something a little bit special. Ooh. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.